Blog Talk Radio. Monday, March 4th, 2013, 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Tonight on the show, we have R&B artist Mr. Westside himself, TQ, and we also have John Kenzie from the band Common Mama. But first, we're going to do something we always do on the show. It is called the Blaze and Rye panel. Joining me on the panel is my co-host tonight, the one and only Broadway medic, Miss Tamika Kidd. Tamika, how are you? Okay, how you doing? I'm doing fine. So, what's going on in your life, though? Oh, you know, same old, same old, but I was able to escape this uh, New York winter, and I've been in L.A. for a few weeks, and uh last couple of days has been around 80, so it's nice to wear shorts in winter once again. <laughs> I hear you. So, you're out in California. Our good friend Morgan Carr had a... Uh, a, a, a CD release party or a concert yeah. or something last night? Yeah, he had an EP release uh, concert at the Hotel Cafe out here in Hollyweird or Hollywood. Um, <laughs> sold out. It was a very good show. Um, kind of freaked some people out that I was out here because they used to see him in New York, so they thought I was stalking him, and then I had to assure them that that was not the case. <laughs> so, you know. Wait, so what, what did you tell them when they thought you were stalking him? Well, his mother was like, we're not in New York. I said, no, we're not. She goes, did you fly out here for this? I said, yes, I did, which of course I did. <laughs> but she didn't realize I'd been helping uh, promote the show out here, putting up posters all over Southern California, and, um, you know, helped him with another event that he'd done a few weekends prior to that. So that's fine, though. So, yeah. Okay. And not how was the show? talking Morgan Carr. How how was the show? Were there any uh, technical difficulties that, where you had to save the day? No, the show was wonderful. It's a great venue. Um, you know, normally I've seen Morgan countless times at different venues uh, in New York, and you know he's kind of a sweaty guy, and I'm always afraid he's going to pass out. But you know, in LA, <laughs> they've got the air they've got the air conditioner of life out here, so it, it was a very cool venue and and nice, you know. So part of me really tells me that you want him to pass out so you can resuscitate him. Well, I didn't say all that. <laughs> did I? I don't think I did. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I did. I said it for you. Um, you. You know, I spent some time out in Los Angeles, and you know, you know what my least favorite intersection is there? No. Hollywood and Highland. You know that over oh, there? Oh, yeah. Oh, dude, yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, but yeah. At, like I always said, if you want to take it up with Mr. Ryan, meet me on the corner of Hollywood and Highland. Yeah, and try not to get hit. <laughs> that intersection, that street, Highland is as bad as a boulevard of death out there in Queens, Queens Boulevard. You know, because everyone's... <laughs> Everyone's flying coming off the 101, and you're like, wait a minute, now you're on surface streets. They don't care. Uh, that's okay, but, you know, I'm used to walking in New York. So, when you know, when, when there's no traffic, you walk. But out here in California, yeah. they give you jaywalking tickets. So, luckily, I was able to talk my way out of it and show them my ID, which is a New York mm-hmm. State ID. Yeah, that, 
this has been interesting. This is probably the most time I've spent out here since I moved to New York five years ago. So it's a. Uh, Wait, so you got out of a ticket by showing the the California police your New York ID? Yeah, telling them I didn't know the correct uh, pedestrian laws. How much are those tickets running now? My friend, I remember when we were out there, he got one for a hundred bucks. Is it more now? I don't know because I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I did a play once at the at the that corner, Hollywood and Highland. There's a strip mall right on the corner, like on the um. If yeah, you're going there's a from, in there. Okay, you know what right? I'm talking about? Yeah. yeah so if you're going yeah. like uh from from say the valley and you're on that. What is that street? Um, you're, you know, you don't take the freeway, but you take Coenga. What? Coenga, yeah, you take it all the way down through Hollywood, and you're, uh, you're, you're there, and it's mm-hmm. to the left. And I did a play there at this theater called the Hollywood Fight Club Theater. Now I should have known, I should have <laughs> known when I signed up to do a play at a theater called the Hollywood Fight Club Theater that there would be issues, and there were. Wait, but I mean, you're not talking about Fight Club, though, right? <laughs> no, I wouldn't talk about Fight Club because I know the okay. rules of Fight Club, but this is right. a okay. Hollywood Fight Club. Yeah, no, nah, don't worry about that. <laughs> I'm saying I got meatloaf on the record player right now. But the thing okay. is that I, I was uh, I had to play Shakespeare in this show called To Shakespeare with Love at the Hollywood mm-hmm. Fight Club Theater. And um, they're... I'd say there were about three of us who actually were were fairly decent actors um, and had had some experience and whatever. And I, the second when I noticed that like there were problems was when I was doing like warm ups that actors do with the breath and the voice and the body and everything, and people were looking at me like I was a weirdo, and I was like, "Oh, I am not around real actors, am I?" Anyway, uh, the there were a couple of us. I mean, there was my friend Modesto, who's been on Blazing Rye a couple times, and this kid, this girl Kelsey. And luckily, I had scenes with both of them. But there was a kid with whom Modesto had a scene. His name was Angel, and I can't remember if he like slapped our director, who was a woman, or he he did something um, to grind her gears. He also had he played Iago in a scene and played Iago like. He was he was whispering as Iago. You don't whisper as Iago. No, you don't. No. Oh, oh it was so awkward. The show was so bad, um, and we had yeah. to pay to do it. <laughs> I was gonna say you still did it. Wow. Oh, yeah, wow. because I didn't know how bad it was gonna be. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a kid coming out of Syracuse, and I move out to L.A. with nothing but my '92 Accord, and. Um, I just uh, was, uh, I, it was like the first thing that was offered. There were actually two things that were offered to me at once. Neither of them were paying. One of them I didn't have to pay to do, but I chose to do the one that I had to pay to do because it felt like it would be more exposure and stuff, but it was not at all. The only good thing that came from it is, you know, I still see Modesto is now in New York, and, and he's he's had some success playing Jackie Robinson and in and, and this musical about Celia Cruz, and he's he's doing a lot of stuff that, you know, at least we, we continue our artistic camaraderie on the radio. So I guess, looking back, it was worth it, you know? Yeah. Sometimes you got to go oh. through the fire. Say what? I said sometimes you got to go through the fire in order to get what you really want. Exactly. To the limit, to the wall. Um, so, uh, just a reminder that TQ is coming up in, in just a minute. Uh, Tamika, did you hear last night about this uh, baby that um, had the HIV virus and now yeah. does not yeah. or functionally yeah. does not? Tell me as a medic what that means when she functionally does not have the virus. All right. Well, at, at this stage in the game, we all know that HIV is a virus, okay? Just a virus, like the common cold is a virus. And from what I was able to research when I heard about this story is that the medications that they gave the infant, you know, immediately after birth and through some of the treatment while they had the mother and the child in their system, um, I guess was the equivalent of treating someone that was, like, sick with a disease right off the bat. Because AIDS Mm -hmm. is something different. HIV is a virus. AIDS is the complications that brings on, you know, carposis sarcoma and pneumonia and all that other stuff. 
So the infant was with the virus and was treated with a particular regimen of drugs that is different from, like, what they normally treat people with HIV, a little stronger, mm-hmm. apparently. And, you know, if you think about, you know, infants, they're small. If they're giving, that's like giving, I don't know, a horse shot, you know, to a human, that's going to impact their system. Now, what I what I thought was interesting about the story is they lost track of this mother and child and found them um, through another treatment. The mother had stopped giving the infant the medication for, like, months. So when now, why would that, that, that alarm me? Why would the mother do that? Uh, they were not of uh, financial means, so it wasn't on purpose. Mm-hmm. Just couldn't afford it, which you know was a whole other story. But um, once they were tracked in another system, uh, you know they retested the the child, who I believe now is two, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, at first, when I saw the doctors were talking, she said that they were afraid that they had treated this infant for a virus that it didn't have. And they went and rechecked and rechecked everything else. And from what I've heard, it appears that the virus is not functionally, as they call it, uh, within the child's bloodstream anymore. Which, I mean, right. if this is true, that is incredible because I, I remember in college studying this uh, when I had mono back in the day. That's part of uh, the Epstein Barr virus. Like, once you have mono, you have the Epstein-Barr virus in your system forever. So the same okay. thing with, like, uh, HIV. It's a virus. The same thing, like, with uh, the common cold. I've always been told if they could find a cure to the common cold, then they would be able to find, you know, a successful way to deal with the HIV virus itself. Because they're always – viruses always mutate. So this would be interesting with the fact that the mother – stopped giving the child the medication, and apparently, you know, the child was able to, as we know, functionally not have traces of the HIV virus in their system. That thing is amazing. when this child, um, I mean, even though she does not functionally have it, can she transmit it? That I don't know. That's Mm -hmm. a very good question, and I guess maybe that's why everyone's kind of I mean, there's a lot of reasons why people are really looking at this, but, you know, it's almost like you don't want to jump the gun and say, oh, here's a magic pill. You know, if you get HIV, you take this and you don't have it because you don't know. Uh, It's kind of like, again, with the common cold or the flu or mono or any of those blood viruses at this point, you can have it and not give it to someone. Or, obviously, we know you can. So it just depends. I think, you know, even back in the day when HIV and AIDS was, you know, really killing us, um, it affected a lot of people who had compromised their immune system. So, you you know, I'm sure if you're shooting up heroin, that can't be healthy, you know, because your immune system is compromised. Um, Regardless of what type of sexual activity you're involved in, if you are under the influence of any sort of substance, your immune system is going to be compromised. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's that's another aspect that, you know, I guess more modern science is going to have to look at. That's where if I were in that, that's what I would look at to see what the mother was actually feeding this child, how they found them back in the system, and, you know, because the child was out of the system for a while. So who knows what happened? Yeah, because so the mother stopped giving her drugs, and then they find this child that they treated at first. Mm -hmm. And mm-hmm. now the virus is essentially gone. Uh, you do wonder, yeah, what was she feeding the child? What kind of lifestyle was the child leading? Um, you do wonder right. all that because she wasn't on the drugs anymore. Right. And, you know, the human body is so resilient at times. And I, I'm thinking, you know, because it's such a a new life that you know, it hasn't had a even though it came into the world with some obstacles, it probably may have had the opportunity to heal itself. Because just like, right. you know, you can donate a few of No one would want part of my liver unless they want a constant buzz. But you can actually <laughs> donate part of well, your liver and it regenerates itself. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So the human you body know what, We're going to continue this. We're going to continue this okay. after the jump. But first, okay. we want to welcome our first guest. Are you ready? Yep. Let's go. All right. So our first guest's new album is called Legendary, and you can purchase purchase it wherever records are sold. 
He also has a fly new video out with Mr. Cal and uh, Manny Fresh. Please welcome Mr. Westside himself, TQ. Hello, sir. How are What's you? What's going on? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me. How y'all doing tonight? All right. We're doing all right. Um, good. I w- I'm, I'm glad you came on because uh, we wanted you on for a while. You have this, this new video uh, that I just looked at today. It is fire. Uh, tell me about <laughs> kind of the, the, the concept behind it and how you got connected with uh, Manny and Mr. Cal. Well, um, I, Manny played this beat for me one day. We were, we were actually out in L.A. and we was working on a project for Red Bull. Um, I, I, I do a lot of writing with him, a lot. And he played me this beat, and I'm like, man, I love it. I love it. I love, like, 70s era music. I love, like, just the whole vibe of the time when I was young. I used to love to watch Starsky and Hutch on TV. Like, that was, like, my thing. You know what I mean? So, once I heard the beat, I already knew where I wanted the where I wanted the song to go. I already knew who I wanted to feature on it, and I already knew what type of video we was gonna end up shooting. And it just kind of took me back to like, you know, those old like black exploitation movies, man, like the, the super flies and the shafts and and stuff like that. And it it was a fun thing to do. And the fact that you know, there's so many music videos out there that just don't have a concept and don't don't really, you know, take your imagination anywhere. We just wanted to give give people a little something different, man. We wanted to make them laugh. We wanted to just show some, you know, show some artistry in, in the visuals. So it's, it's performing yeah, great. I'm, I'm I'm glad people are sharing it and, and watching it. It's a lovely thing. Yeah, it, it comes across real well uh, the the concept, and uh, it's it's uh, it looks really good. So congrats yeah. on that. Um, and then your album, Legendary. Uh, you released it this month. Uh, what made you decide to go the indie route with this record? Uh, you've been on Epic and Cash Money. Why uh, independent now? Um, you no, know, I, I always tell people, and people always ask me, man, you know, what what do you do to get into the game? How do you how do you how do you you know break into the music industry? And I always say, like, I did it backwards. Um, most people <laughs> started independent and then go to a major. Um, I think the difference with that is, you know, you got these companies that have these millions of dollars in their budgets. They basically go out there and get you fans. You know what I mean? That's their job. Yeah. So my job is to hold on to those fans and make sure that I keep a relationship with those fans so that when I branch out myself, it's not about so much making new fans as it is continuing to service the hundreds of thousands that, you know, those big budgets got you in the beginning. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you can keep the biggest piece of the pie when you do it that way, as opposed to right. having to build a fan base from the, you know, from the ground and trying to get enough people for the majors to take notice of. They basically got those people for me. Got you. And, and now you're just feeding the, the fans that you already have. You're more focused yeah. on that than than kind of making new ones at this point? Um, I, I think I think it goes hand in hand because mm-hmm. when people are galvanized by by your art and, and they've had such a relationship with you for so much time, they kind of mm-hmm. go out and do that for you, you know? Right. I, got, I have fans that have friends that they just play my music around them so much until that person becomes a fan. And that stuff mm-hmm. spreads, man. It spreads like wildfire, so... Um, it, I think <laughs> that's a really good formula. Yeah. Uh, Tamika, I know you're chomping at the bit over there in Los Angeles to ask TQ a question. Well, um, watching the video and having gone to grad school down there at UNO, it was nice to see that you used uh, New Orleans as some of the backdrop with Manny Fresh and Mystical. Because in college, I remember oh, yeah. Blast and Mystical, and people were like, why is he shouting? Why is he talking right. about something? I'm like, oh, no. I was like, there's a, it's like, there's a flow. Just listen. And then all of a sudden, exactly. everybody starts bobbing their head. And there's a very distinct sound that comes out of New Orleans. Yeah. Right. It is. It is. Yeah, that's that's like my second home, man. Um, from the time when I signed the cash money, even before that, to, to be honest, like um, my records have just always performed well there. And then when I signed the cash money, it was just like home. Like everybody just accepted me like I was in Compton. So I just have a real <laughs> love for that city. 
I've always had a love for that city. I always will have a love for that city. Um, that's the headquarters for my record company. And, you know, New Orleans is just a part of me at this point, and it always will be. So it was perfect that we had Annie Fresh and, and Mystical right there in the city. So it was good. Right, right. Right. Uh, along those lines, uh, speaking of New Orleans, uh, Lil Wayne said that you are the most uh, gangster singer he knows. Uh, <laughs> what, why do you think he thinks that? What makes you the most gangster singer there is? I think at the time when I met Wayne and the time when I came to Cash Money, um, R&B was kind of just love songs, love music. And I think that mm-hmm. they were... They they thought that I was a great fit with them because most of the time my my subject matter is something other than love, you know. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, that got lost out of soul music um, for a long time. And I think that I, I I played a part of bringing it back. I mean, some people some people want to listen to somebody sing and they don't necessarily want to hear about love. Maybe they want to hear about how they're gonna pay the rent next month or you know <laughs> how you know what I'm saying how am I gonna how am I supposed to make it. You know, it's a, it's a million different subjects in life that you can write about. But for whatever reason, R&B and soul music has been so much about love, especially in, like, you know, the last 20 years or so. I just wanted to take it back. I wanted to go back to Curtis Mayfield, you know, Marvin Gaye, Isaac Hayes. They found ways to talk about, you know, things that were relevant at the time. I know you had Vietnam going on. You had the Civil Rights Movement. But we have a lot of stuff going on now that, you know, can be written about and, and sung about. So, Mm-hmm. That's what I've always done. Gotcha. Um, it's interesting that while you we're said, talking. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Tamika. I'm sorry. Well, no, I was I listening to you say uh, talking about different lyrics in your in your music. The, mm-hmm. the the era that you shot your video in, like the '70s. If you look at everything mm-hmm. that was going on then, and you take a quick look at what we got going on now, because we still it's a like voting rights. You know, voting rights are coming up and. Right. Still trying to pay the rent. I mean, it's you know, history has a weird way of repeating itself. That's why I like the video. I was like, okay, they got afros. What's up? You know, at the very least, you know, you're gonna go gonna go to a party and hear some good music because everybody else is just trying to make it. Exactly. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. Mm-hmm. Um, So you talk about how you write uh, reality R and B. Is that what you were essentially just talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot of people would, would, would ask me what I clarified myself as when I first came out. Um, it would bother me that, that that stores would always put me in the rap section. So people would mm-hmm. go in look, looking for me and say, oh, you're not in the store. Well, they put me in the wrong section, you know. So so my thing has, has – I was actually in Germany one time, and I was reading – well, I wasn't reading. I was looking at the pictures of an article that some uh, magazine had wrote about me, and it was in German. But the one – the two words that were – English was reality R&B, and it was in quotations. And I said, you know what? That describes what it is that I like to do more so than anything. So I just I just stuck with it. Wow, what a weird place to get your kind of signature thing from. <laughs> exactly. all in German except two English words. Exactly. 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 <laughs> and speaking of that, when you were over um, overseas, when, when Westside debuted in the top ten, you had a lot of folks overseas throwing up the West Side symbol. How did it make you feel when people are kind of throwing those signs up and they didn't even know what it meant? I was shocked. I was absolutely <laughs> shocked. It, it, was, it, was, it, it, it was shocking. Like, I, I straight up did that song because Pac had died and it was like a, a, just a gray cloud over the West Coast. All we heard was just East Coast music, East Coast music, East Coast music. We lost our general. I wanted to do something for California. Washington and Oregon to get on to make us mm-hmm. feel better about you know about our situation. That was all I was paying attention to when I was doing that. I'm a songwriter. wasn't trying to be mm-hmm. an artist. wasn't about being a singer. I was about writing songs. I found out you know what writing songs was about, and I was sold from that point on. Um, when that opportunity came about, I, you know I just looked at it as, look, I got something that I want to say from my heart. I'm going to say that, and then I'm going back to writing songs. So then you go, and somebody wants you to come to the other side of the world. Man, I'm from Compton. I ain't. I never even thought I would, you know, go to London or to the Philippines or to Thailand and all these places. And so many people, they don't even speak English, but they can sing that song from top to bottom. As soon as the music goes off, y'all can't even communicate with each other. 
So it's just <laughs> just the power of music, man. It's no joke. Yeah, it has a way of, of bringing people together. You um uh you mentioned uh there's you in a quote you say due to the state of the music business in order to be successful I have to make the highest dollar amount per unit. Um, explain right. what you mean by the state of the music business. Is it in a uh, a state today that's worse than when you were coming up? Well, for my for my personal situation, you know, I'm 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 lyrical. I, I like I write lyric and melody. That's mm-hmm. a, a, a hugely you know that's a huge part of songwriting that I love the most. You know, I do beats. I did a couple of beats on my album. I've done beats for other people. But for me, it's it's the lyric and the melody is the part that makes me love making music. But people don't care about that no more. People care mm-hmm. about, they want to hear one or two words said 500,000 times in four <laughs> minutes so that they can say it over and over again. And then the radio station wants to play that song over and over and over again. So the state of the music business for me has changed drastically, and mm-hmm. I don't want to take the fun out of it for myself. So I must play to the people who still, you know, have respect or love lyric and melody. It's not many of them. So mm-hmm. for it to be such a small amount of those people, I got to make sure that I'm not splitting my money with some label or with some other entity, I got to get all of that because getting all of it is the way that I, I get some income out of it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, right. Tamika, do you love lyric and melody? Absolutely. I was just looking at the necklace that I'm wearing. It says, when words fail, music speaks. And, you know, it's uh, it's never been more truer now that, you know, we've got actual lyricists and songwriters actually taking the bold move and leaving a major record label if they're not getting to do what they came to do. You know, right. going to another label where they have some more actual creativity and power to to put out quality music, because you're right. I don't want to hear the same thing over again. I can do that myself. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I, I, and I always say this, like, you know, Leonardo da Vinci painted the Mona Lisa one time. He didn't do it a hundred <laughs> He did it one time. That's art. And it's going to be seen mm-hmm. as art forever. So I feel like I'm an artist. I'm not here to, to be gimmicky. I'm not here. I'm here to create art and promote art to my fans. Is there anyone, TQ, that you think is really killing it in the R&B game right now? Hmm. Um, that's really killing it. You know, I, I, I'm such a... I'm just a connoisseur of old music. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I, to be honest, with R&B, I'm still listening to Marvin Gaye and Aretha Franklin and Motown stuff, man. That's that's really what I listen to. So I'm not so much on, um, you know, a lot of the new a lot of the new artists. To be honest, um, it, but even the ones from the late '90s, I feel like that was another renaissance of R&B music. So. You hop in my car and I'm listening to R&B. It's Mary J. Blige. It's you know, it's Faith. It's R. Kelly. It's it's, it's the OGs. <laughs> to be honest, yeah. I don't I don't listen to very much new music in my vein. I'm, you know, when I'm listening to new music. It's some alternative or some rock or some stuff like that. I mean, I, I think I've I've traveled so many places and music just turns me on so much when when people are reaching um, mm-hmm. and and really being creative. I just I, I I'm drawn to that. So I feel like in the other genres of music, um, it's so much more wide open. People can kind of stretch a little more. Whereas in black music, you know, you kind of have to follow a formula for success. And that formula kind of shackles a lot of people, I feel. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do now is uh, play a game uh, where you teach you. uh, I'm going to ask you questions about your songs on the new record, and you tell me, in one sentence for each answer, what that song's about. You ready? Okay. All right, here we go. Mm. I try to take it, it'll be all right, and I'll be back soon. All right, so first up, mm. TQ, what is your song Head about? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
head is about. <laughs> let me see. Let me see how I can put this. Let's say the 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 the, the best place to think from. <laughs> wow. Is it really wow. though? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. The best All right. place to think from the best the best position to think in. Y'all can take it however you want. <laughs> All right. Second question. Who is Nikki Ray? Oh my God! Can we not wake this up? A woman's gonna shoot me when she hears that song. Uh oh. Uh oh. We're gonna have to have Tamika the medic come and save you. <laughs> you need some mouth to mouth. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, She's been going around L.A. Time. trying to resuscitate musical theater boys, though. Really? Well, well includes. <laughs> well, it's funny. He's from, he, he, um, he's, from, he's from Compton. I'm down the street from Compton right now, so, you know, it's okay. Are you? <laughs> yeah, my, nice. response, my response time will be immediate. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Thank you. Next, next question, I guess we won't wake Nikki Ray up. The next question is, uh, <laughs> I've heard a lot of words, some made up. What What is fictitious? Fictuous? I heard that word on your album. Did I mishear it? What song was that? I can't remember, but it was. I was. It, it sounded like it was kind of. It, you meant fictional, but it was rhyming with another ooist word, so it said fictuous. Not really? Right, no. Yeah. It doesn't. I don't right, know. Maybe it did. I don't know. I need. I need to do some research myself. I don't know what song that's in. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I don't think um, fictitious is a word, though, is it? No, no, no. Right. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm-hmm. On right. your song, uh, Long Kiss Goodnight, uh, you, the first line of the song, never tried heroin or coke before. Is that true? Absolutely. So you are uh, drug-free, at least hard drugs. Yeah. I mean, I am from California. I'm going to leave that at that, too. <laughs> All right. Also, your song, your your song, "Long Kiss Goodnight." When I read the title to it, I, I expected it to be a romantic track, and when I heard it, it's it's quite the opposite, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's quite the opposite. Um, like I think it goes back to the it goes back to lyric and melody, man. I like I like shock value in the words that I'm saying, and I like to tell stories about real life. Um. I think people have been in positions, you know, with a person that you may have had a relationship with. You may keep going back to them, keep going back to them. Then you fight, you break up, you get together again, you break up. Then you go off messing with two other people, and then y'all get back together after that's done, blah, blah, blah. At the end of the day, you're tired. All right? Let's, <laughs> let's, let's kiss and go home. You know what I'm saying? Enough of this. Yeah, it's enough already. Agreed. Right. In, right. in your song, uh, California Dreaming, you say you woke up on the tracks, all all hopped up on the drugs, and you're fighting your demons trying to get to Hollywood Boulevard. Now, is Hollywood Boulevard really the best place to recover? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I would say no. You know, that song is um is is based on a dream that I had. Um and I, that, I, I think I don't know if it was if I had it a lot or if it's just something that stuck in my head. Um, music, doing music, staying sane while doing music—it's a fight, you know. All of the, one thing about art is we all trying to get to the same place, and that place is success, you know. Um, each one of us has our own idea of what success is. Um, growing up in LA, you know, the further you can get north better it's going to get. So Hollywood Boulevard is way north of Compton, and that's where I was trying to get to the whole while. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, God, and it's like I know I know my piece, and, you know, I've got a lot of folks in Oakland, a lot of people in the Bay. It's one thing on the Bay Bridge. It's another thing on the Golden Gate. You know what I'm saying? So kind of kind of the same situation. We just – it's a fight. It's a fight every single day. you got to fight. Um, you got to fight the, the powers that be. You got to fight the radio. You got to fight the media. You got to, you just got to fight, fight, fight. You even got to fight the demons within yourself, you know, the things mm-hmm. that make you want to give up or the things that make you say, you know what, I'm going to just go with the norm and be like everybody else so I can make money like everybody. You got to fight all of that. So um, right. California Dreaming is just, that, that's just what it is. It's just talking about my journey. How it's got been you. From, and, and then your uh, the last uh, 
song question here. Um, we've gone way beyond one sentence, but that's cool. So yeah, your song really? legendary. <laughs> your song legendary. Um, what is up with the radio, TQ? I don't know, man. I think that I think that it's it's such a corporate thing right now. People are just interested in their bottom line. Um, they get they they get their bottom line from playing the type of music that people are going to listen to constantly mm-hmm. because that's going to bring them the type of ad dollars that you know they want for their billion dollar corporation. And like in, right. in the time of, of you know so many consulting firms and and all of that, it's just it's just become such a it's just a political situation, man. Records on the radio is just so political, like it, it's. It's ridiculous, and and the cold part about it is the politics of it is illegal anyway. So mm-hmm. you know you just kind of caught, you just kind of ca- caught out there for whatever reason. And 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 I'm I have been made to believe that well, people have tried to make me believe that my type of music doesn't exist anymore. So mm-hmm. I'm here to say that even in a time of downloads. I've had to reorder CDs of Legendary three times already. So I completely undershot what my forecast was. That tells me wow. that in somebody's head, my music does still exist. So well, just like you half say, people think it's the truth, half people don't. Maybe it's the stuff uh-huh. legends are made of. <laughs> feel me? Yeah, absolutely. And like you say, there have been times when I've been knocked down, but I just get the F back up. The next time I see that punch coming and slip it, you got to be built yeah, for it, baby. I'm built for it. You just sounded like you're built for it, sir. 100%. 100%. All right. Um, now, uh, I wanted to ask you before we have time for like two more questions. So you, uh, sir, have worked with NSYNC, Whitney Houston, Jagged Edge, Bone Thugs, the list goes on. The one that stuck out to me was, was R. Kelly. Uh, you mentioned him earlier. Now, ever since TP2.com came out 12 years ago, that has been my all-time favorite artist and favorite <laughs> album. What really? did you do with Kells? And, and please tell me he's not as crazy as he seems. <laughs> I'm going to answer the first question. I'm not answering the second one. Staying out all right. Some years back, um, the Best of Both Worlds Part 2 was supposed to be R. Kelly and Baby. Right. Some people know that, some people don't. But I they basically that. did a whole album. Um, me and Fresh and Kells did most of the writing on the album. We went up and kind of just like stayed with him for weeks and just worked on the album. And when I tell you, I'm not just saying it because I had a part in That album was sick. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. But the mm-hmm. Best of Both Worlds Part 2 that they came out with couldn't even stand in the same room with the one that him and Baby did. Really? And, yeah. And and just watching the dude work and just watching the <laughs> just the way that he did his thing, it kind of shows me why he's the caliber of artist that he is and that he has been. It's like, you know, to be that good, you have to be half crazy. And yeah. You know, I ain't mad at him. To watch the man work, you can see he's half crazy. He's got to be. I mean, I'm <laughs> half crazy myself. Just a different way well, from him, though. <laughs> what, were, what, what were some of the crazy things he was doing that made you think that he was half crazy? Okay, I'm going to say, I'll tell you this much. At the time when I was working with him, he would write a song. He would bring in girls to listen to the song. If they didn't like it, he would scrap it. Really? Completely. He would keep himself out of the whole opinion and ask these little chicks that he would just have running around. I mean, you know, I don't know that whole situation, but the girls would be in the studio on the couch. He would come out of the booth and he'd say, y'all like it or not? And they'd be like, ah, it's all right. Like, all right, erase that. I'm going to do something else. It was, wow. Man, it was crazy. It was like, hey, but ladies love R. Kelly, so let's be doing something, right? Yeah. How old? How old were these girls? Don't answer that. Don't answer. <laughs> Never mind. I told you I'm staying out of all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, um, TQ, uh, you you are about to play, or you played Richard the Third in a film? Is that true? No, I didn't play Richard the Third. I actually had a part in a remake of Richard the Third. 
Um, oh, I was okay. trying to get, you know, I was trying to get my little. I always wanted to see how I was in acting, or whatever. So mm-hmm. I've always had, always had a, uh, an acting agent. But mm-hmm. we would always go back and forth because if a tour came up or if a, if a show came up or something music, I wasn't going on no passing call. So <laughs> we'd always mm-hmm. fight about it. And it just so happened that uh, David Carradine um, was actually set to star in a remake of Richard III. And there was a little part in there for, like, the DJ, ring announcer for the whole duel. And I played that part. And, and my agent was like, look, you got basically four or five lines in this, but it's in Shakespearean English. Mm-hmm. This is a demo for you. If people see that you can do Shakespeare, they know that you can act. So I yeah. went on and did it. Not like I got paid that much or nothing, but <laughs> it's not like I ever really saw anything from it. But I have done Shakespeare, and she definitely got that that uh, that reel to be able to show people that I can act. But that's what it was. I know one thing. I don't know many people mm-hmm. in Compton that did Shakespeare before, so... I waved that flag. I did it. <laughs> You're the pioneer there. Uh, yeah. So uh, now that you've mentioned, see, now you got me all curious. Now that you mentioned that the uh, the best of both worlds two was going to be so much better than unfinished business was, is there anywhere you know of we can ever hear those songs? I know there was one song with Baby on TP3, but that's it, that's it. I, you know what? I don't know. I don't know who has them. <laughs> I do not know who has. I wish to God I had them. I leak them like crazy. They <laughs> <laughs> that was one studio I could not sneak. I snuck up out of Cash Money Studios with my masters, but I couldn't get out of R. Kelly's with his. <laughs> <laughs> Got you. All right. Um, well, uh, TQ, the new video is Bad Man. Uh, the new album is Legendary. And follow him at TQ the Trojan on Twitter. Uh, anything yes. else you want to plug before we go? I just want to tell everybody, man, keep sharing that video. It's the best performing video I've ever had. We had half a million hits, and it just came out Thursday. So, Whatever, you know, all the support and all the love that everybody is giving me, just keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. Right now I'm putting together some touring, and a couple of weeks we're going to start announcing some dates. So hit me up on Twitter. Holler at me. And we'll we'll look out for the, the touring dates. And thank you very much for coming on, sir. I, I, I had a great time, and I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. Everybody, the album is on iTunes right now. Just search TQ Legendary. Check it out. All right. Awesome. All right. Take care. Have a good night. All right. Thank you. Right, man. Thanks for having me. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. All right, that was TQ. Follow him, TQ the Trojan. Um, all right, Tamika, uh, we got our next guest. Uh, our next guest is the singer for the band Common Mama. Please welcome to the program John Kenzie. <laughs> I'm good, thanks. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. How are you? What time is it where you are? It's uh, it's like uh, quarter to three in the morning. Oh dear. Well, thank you for staying up. Sorry to keep you waiting a, a bit longer. Um, no, it's cool. Me... I just got in from the pub. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you're a little you're a little buzz, are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, tell me about uh, meeting up with uh, Common Mama and how, how this how this came to be. Um, well, basically the the kind of uh, it's it's the brainchild of a of a guy called uh, Ferdinando Arno, who's um, uh, Italian guy, um, and I've uh, I've done some work with him making music for uh, Italian TV adverts over the last few years and. Uh, and he's um he's started this project this year and uh, yeah just um just started uh, doing these tunes and and we've got this tour coming uh, in the USA and uh, yeah <laughs> when does the tour start here the tour starts in in, a, in about a week actually we're playing uh, starting at the um South by Southwest festival um, oh. In uh, Austin. Sure, that's a big uh, deal. We're working our way up to New York. Do you know what venue you're playing in New York? Uh, I don't know actually. No. Okay. Fair enough. I think uh, a, I noticed that yeah. your band has had a few uh, uh, jingles on on television commercials. What's that all about? Well, it's to do with the uh, 
Ferdinando that that uh, is kind of runs the show really. He's um, that's that's what he kind of started out doing was doing music for adverts, and then uh, and then he started writing tunes for the for this project, and uh, so uh, a, a lot of the tunes that we we do were originally um, on on like kind of big time adverts and. Yeah, we've just uh, taken it from there, really. Cool. Uh, Tamika, I know you're chomping at the bit to ask a question over there. Well, I'm, I'm following along the line with the uh, TV music for the commercials. Are there any, is it just for the U.K.? Is it for the United States as well or other uh, countries? Any other Yeah, countries? it depends on the, it depends on the, on the commercial, really. Um mm-hmm. Some of them are kind of just Europe-based, but I think a couple of them have been. Uh, I think uh, there was a an Acer advert that was in the in the USA as well, uh, in the States, and um, uh, and and all over really. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so in terms of um, the music, I read in your your bio, uh, the track "Possibly Mine" showcases Common Mama in full bloom with a richly dynamic band nimbly navigating the sense of wonder and awe inherent in the track with silken grace. Can you say that in a less pompous way? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've not heard that before. Yeah, um it's <laughs> it's uh yeah, it's 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 a it's a lovely chill tune and uh, um we've we've got some uh, great uh, musicians uh, playing on the tour and playing on the track and um yeah it's just a really nice tune that uh, appeals to a lot of people and um yeah it's just a great it's a great vibe okay so um and sorry, then sorry, uh, I'm not being uh, very expression at this time in the morning I just, oh, <laughs> no worries you're, uh, you've been comp- you're vocally you've been compared to Cat Stevens, Paolo Nutini. Are these uh, were these influences of yours? Um, uh, not really actually. I mean, I I I, mm-hmm. I really like them, um, but I, personally, more kind of old school um, influences for me. You know, a lot of uh, old uh, blues artists like BB uh, King and Howling Wolf and uh, Muddy Waters and. Uh, and also like soul people like uh, Al Green and James Brown and uh, you know such. such well, old like, old school is getting a lot of love. Tamika, between Teach You and John, old it's all about the old school tonight, huh? Well, yeah, hey, yeah. that's how we move forward. You, you know, people were doing this before us, and uh, you know they're legends. So it's nice to mm-hmm. hear that people are actually going back to or just researching music uh, when it did have more soul and body to it as opposed to like we were talking about earlier, you know, just repeating the same thing over and over again. Yeah. yeah it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I generally just listen to old music rather than new music. I know very little about uh, what's kind of uh, current these days, but um, I'm still, I'm still discovering uh, new old stuff that I, I've never heard <laughs> of. That's just amazing. You know, if I may recommend tp2.com by R. Kelly, can I recommend that, Tamika? Yeah, I mean, hey. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so, Don, uh, you you were uh, singing in the subway when your collaborator, Arno, uh, found you in, in London. Um, is that something you did uh, a lot? Uh, were, you, were you publicly performing for, for change a lot? Yeah, yeah, I... I um... I mean, it's a, it's an amazing way for for musicians and and, and artists to kind of independently, uh, you know, make some money off of their off their own music. Really, I I um I I have my my own album as well, and uh, I, I uh, travel around uh, Europe and and just play on the streets and and sell my CDs and and it's it's fantastic. You know, it's it's a really good way to to reach people and. Uh, and meet meet uh, possible uh, people to to help you with with your projects and it's mm-hmm. yeah, it's fantastic. Okay, cool. 
Uh, now, um, I want to play uh, a song of yours, and then we'll come back and close out the show. I'm going to play uh, Downtown Strolling Downtown. Now, explain to me why downtown, the word, is mentioned twice in the title of the song. <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I did write that song, so... Uh... <laughs> Um, yeah, I, do, I haven't got a clue. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, he hasn't got a clue, but we'll be right back with the inebriated John Kenzie. <laughs> and this is Common Mama with Downtown Strolling Downtown. Common Mama underscore band. The website is 
commonmama.co.uk, and they will be in the United States touring very soon. Uh, John, thank you so much for coming on, sir. Thank you for staying up with us. Yeah, thank you. Sorry, I uh, wasn't uh, more receptive. <laughs> no, this was fantastic. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon, and uh, uh, go get some sleep. Yeah, I will do. Cheers. Cheers. Take care. Have a good night. Cheers. Take care. Good night. Good night. All right. That is uh, John Kenzie from Common Mama. So, uh, Tamika, um, hmm? guess what? Uh-oh. Yeah? <laughs> So, uh, um, a good friend of our show, uh, Sean Broyles, he has a a show called um, Black Dude, White Chick, because he's black and his wife is white, and they do a podcast together. And uh, I I hosted this show, Blazing Rye, with Michelle Kinney last week, and um, I uh, introduced a new segment called Black Chick, White Dude. Oh, God. <laughs> All right. Um, I'm ready. So I'm just gonna I'm just gonna play you what I played last week. Uh, beware that the audio is not very good. In part, I got to get a better sound uh, engineer here. Um, but the sound on the intro is not good. But the sound in the actual black dude white chick a uh, black chick white dude clip is fine. But here's the intro. All right, I want to get your take on this. Here's the, here's the intro. Well, you know what, Michelle, it's come to my attention that we have a good friend named Sean Broyles, and he has a good friend named Kim Broyles, and they do a show called Black Dude, White Chick, and you know how very often here at Blazing Ride, Tamika Kid co-hosts, and I'm not sure if you knew or not, but she's black, and I'm white, so I thought let's do a segment called Black Chick and White Dude. Black shit and the white dude. Thoughts? You know, I think we need to talk more about what medication that we're going to start taking. <laughs> okay, so there's the intro, and then here's the clip that I uh, that I played last week. Here we go. Okay. Oh um, my God. Oh, yo, this girl Megan DeGeorge says, "When I was little, I would take my Barbies. <laughs> I would. I when don't, I don't don't even don't even because I got a story for you with Barbie." Okay, let me finish. Let me finish this plot. Let me finish it, and then you tell the story. She says, "When I was little, I would take my Barbies, wet their hair, and and put them in the freezer." Okay, that's probably a story. That was a soon-to-be coroner. Um, I don't know what my deal was with Barbie. Didn't really care for her that much, apparently. Um, So. I was uh, playing with my other toys, uh, Legos and other dolls, G.I. Joe, whatever, Star Wars stuff, whatever. My Barbie, my mother found it, and she came up to me while I was on the floor. She's shaking this doll in front of me. She's like, did you do this? This is sick. Did you do this? This is sick. So what I had done, what had happened to Barbie, my Barbie, I, um, mm-hmm. you know, they, they flexed backwards. So I bent her yeah. backwards, chopped off her hair, burnt her nipples on the stove, and left her in a drawer somewhere. Like somewhere in the house. My mother found it. So, but, you are a maniac. Uh, reactions? I stand by my statement. <laughs> wow. Yeah, the A. I told you, I didn't like Barbie. There's something about it I didn't like. <laughs> You really didn't like Barbie. I don't want to know what you did to your friends you didn't like. Uh, yeah. Please, please the fifth. Although, as a medic, I've taken the Hippocratic oath, do no harm. But if you Barbie, then, you know. I'll yeah, now I'm more like a hypocritical oath. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, um, it's the, the time has come to bring this show to a close, so... Uh, thank you to my lovely co-host, Tamika Kidd. I appreciate it. 
Thank you. Absolutely. Oh, what's the name of Morgan Carr's uh, album again? Morgan Carr's EP uh, is called Yellow Skies, and I believe the digital release is tomorrow, which also I think is his birthday. Uh, and the hard copy you can also find on morgancarr.com. Um, but, yeah, it's called Yellow Skies. And then another cool. artist that you another artist that you've had on here, uh, Nickel Kills Mike's. He has a show coming up at the bitter end on March ninth at eleven thirty. So March ninth. That's soon, yeah. no? Yeah, people That's doing Saturday. good things. Yeah, down there in, in the mm-hmm. village. Uh, I wish I could get to it, but I won't be back out there until maybe the seventeenth. I'll probably I'll probably arrive at JFK right as the St. Patrick's Day parade is going by. So we'll see. Oh, that is just. The worst time to arrive. That's like there are two. There are two of my least favorite days every year. One is St. Patrick's Day. The other is SantaCon. It's because both of those days are just an excuse for thousands of white people to behave crazily in New York City. Yeah, yeah. I might push to the 18th because I don't even want to know what the airport's going to look like. Last time I took a <laughs> flight going somewhere for a party, I was going to Mardi Gras down in New Orleans. The pilots had on these. Mm-hmm. You know, that made me nervous. I said, why you got on oh. these? You're supposed to be flying flying the plane. You're not doing my job. <laughs> so, you know, maybe I'll wait one extra day. Well, you know this whole Seacrester thing, this Seacrest this thing with the Congress, now that it yeah. might be a longer lines and stuff at the airport. Right, yeah. A lot of things. I mean, people, oh, man, yeah. Yeah, it's going it's to be a little special here. We'll see. Most of them don't. The president doesn't look like he's budging, and salmon face Boehner, Boner, whatever, don't look like he wants to do anything. So, you know, it's unfortunate, but uh, hopefully we'll also get through this together. Well, I just hope Ryan Seacrest comes in and saves the day on this whole Seacrest thing, you know. <laughs> what about Dennis Rodman? Apparently he can go to North Korea, whatever. And... North Korea, yeah. Uh, I don't know. He's He's saying all this stuff like, Kim Jong-un is a great guy and, and stuff, and he, he it doesn't seem to bother him that he's put, like, 250,000 people in prison unfairly and forced people to worship him and all that stuff and, and hates America. So what do you think about yeah. that? I think it was a mistake for him to go over there like that, but everyone has a, if, you know, you have the right to do what you want to do to some extent. I just... Um, I, I'm curious of what the thought process was for that visit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was the thought process? Who sent him there? Was it the American I have no government idea. that sent him there? No, but what's unfortunate is the American government has now had to say something like, we don't, we didn't sanction this, we don't know what this was about, and, you know, there's, there's, other, there's clearly more pressing issues that we need to focus on, like the sequester and you know, unemployment and getting people back to work and health care, then funky-ass Dennis Rodman going, uh, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Speaking Sorry. of more important Sorry. things to worry about, what do you think about, so the, the show's going a bit over, but that's okay. So what okay. what do you think about uh, <laughs> Justin Bieber? This is much more important than any of the things we've talked about. What do you think about Justin Bieber not being, uh, his, his crew not being allowed in a club on his 19th birthday, and then she tweeted, worst birthday? Is that what that was about? I didn't know. You know, it depends yep. on what kind of club. It depends on what kind of club she was trying to go to. Well, she was trying mm-hmm. to go to some club in London with her new boyfriend, and apparently the new boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever she is, apparently she's only nineteen or something. But the thing is, is in England, I don't remember them ever checking to see if people were twenty-one when I was spent. I spent a semester there. All you had to be was like seventeen to go anywhere there. Hmm. I don't know. I, again, he's 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 got enough resources to have his own party, you know. So they're not going. Yeah, but you know what him. happens when he has his own party? He gets caught smoking um, that reefer. Yeah, and then impregnating people. <laughs> he never did that. I don't think he did that. Okay. Oh, that's right. We don't want to get sued. Sorry. Um, All right, well, now, uh, uh, next week, uh, by the way, everybody should tune in. Um, We have this guy on the show. His name is Kent Gustafson. He'll be on the second half of the show. Um, He has written the official Doc Watson biography. Um, 
Tamika, do you know who Doc Watson is? Is Sherlock Holmes? <laughs> Neither do I, so I really have to do some research by next week. So we, the Doc Watson uh, biography of this guy, Kent Gustafson, he's also a musician himself. That will be the second half of the show. But the first half next week, um, we have uh, the subject of the second episode of BET's American Gangster, and he's been referenced in many uh, hip-hop songs. Uh, he is now suing the rapper Rick Ross, Rick Rosé, for taking his name. Uh, we have on the show the inventor of crack cocaine, Freeway Ricky Ross, next Monday. Mm, so okay. that should be quite a show. should be quite a show. Okay. All Sounds right. like it. <laughs> so, Tamika Kid, I can think of no better way of ending the show than by saying, if it ain't showbiz, it ain't a biz. It ain't biz. Get the break, Florence. And lastly, what are you going to do with that Barbie? Bend that bitch backwards, set her on fire and chop off her hair and leave her for someone else to find because I don't like her. <laughs> In some draws, right? In some draws. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Good night, everybody. Good night. <laughs>